Just nine days away from arguably the most anticipated season in Bengals franchise history and six days away from one of the most highly anticipated seasons in NFL history. Coming up, my thoughts heading into the Bengals season, top seven storylines around the NFL, and my game-by-game predictions for the Bengals, division and playoff picks around the league, plus who I think is taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Our Locked On Bearcats. Your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's a bonus content Friday. Welcome to Locked On Bearcats. I'm Alex Frank, your host each and every day, bringing all of my experiences from my days as sports director of UC's student-run media organization, Bearcats Media, and bringing them here to Lockdown Bearcats. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. We're just two subscribers away from 500. We're at 498. Follow us, too, to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. It's bonus content Friday, every Friday during the football season, and throughout the Bengals football season, I post a preview episode leading up to the upcoming game. We'll hear... Every week from James Rapine of Lockdown Bengals. Plus, this is something I'm going to try and uh, effort hear from the Lockdown host of the Bengals opponents. And next week, that would be Chris Carter of the Steelers. And every opponent the Bengals play throughout the season, we'll try and get them on as well. Every Friday at 3 is when this episode, at 3 p.m. is when this episode will drop. So, obviously, this is Lockdown Bearcats. Um, and this is a daily podcast on the Bearcats. But football in Cincinnati not just with the Bearcats, but with the Bengals is so big right now. My love for the Bengals runs deep. I'm a third-generation season ticket holder. Families had him since the very first season. So I like to talk about them as well, and that's why I thought, hey, why not get some bonus content out there during the football season every Friday, previewing the upcoming Bengals matchup. But today, it's previewing the Bengals season, the NFL season. As I mentioned, I'm going to give you my game-by-game predictions for the Bengals. I'm going to give you my division and playoff picks around the league and then my playoff game picks and who I think is taking home the Lombardi Trophy. So the Bengals are coming off a a season that can be described in a lot of different ways. I would say for me and my family and having been season ticket holder since 1968, it was one of the most enjoyable times of my life, not just as a sports fan and a Bengals fan, but just in general. Like when we talk about sports bringing people together and we, when you, and when we talk about sports creating memories with family, that's what the Bengals did last year. Being at that playoff game with my uncle and cousins against Las Vegas And then going to the playoff game in Nashville, my sister came in from Clemson, a friend of mine came in from Bristol, Connecticut, and my family came down from Cincinnati. That that game brought us all together from different parts of the country. And then we were all at my uncle's house for the AFC Championship. My uncle went to the Super Bowl. I was in South Carolina at Clemson day before I started my job as a news producer down here at WGXA News in Macon. I was watching the game with my sister and her friends. My mom was in Charleston watching the game with her friends. Um, I had family back home in Cincinnati watching it. It, it, it Bengals, the Bengals fan base grew so rapidly last year and such a stark contrast to what the previous 31, 31 years had been like. 
And yeah, I, I've been a Bengals fan my whole life, but for the first, you know, I became a sports fan in 2005, 2005, 2006. And for the first 15 years, I had to endure everybody saying, oh my gosh, you're a Bengals fan. They suck. I mean, it must be so hard. Like even Browns fans, when they became good, oh my God, you want to come over to our side. Yeah, I had to deal with that. And it, it was funny. Like I kind of shrugged off like, ha you're so funny. But, you know, I, I took it on the chin. I, I, I heard it every single day. And that's not just me. It's every Bengals fan in Cincinnati, every Bengals fan around the country. Like the Bengals were arguably the most futile franchise in professional sports for 30 years, not just the NFL. And yeah, there were some good teams. Five straight playoff appearances with Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis. Those were good teams. But they didn't have the momentum and the connection to the city of Cincinnati like this team does right now. It goes back to what they did in the offseason leading up to the 2021 season. It is what they did last year, sweeping Pittsburgh, Baltimore in dominant fashion, breaking a 31-year curse that not only hovered over this franchise but for the city. And then not only that, putting icing on the cake by going into Nashville and beating the number one seed Titans, and then going into Kansas City four weeks after they pulled off a a miraculous victory to win the division and beat them in the AFC Championship game in a place where they very seldom lose. Like, all that stuff happened. And it it, it just felt like everything was happening at once. This city took a complete 180 degree turn. This franchise took a 180-degree turn. All of a sudden, you felt like you belonged as a fan. It was fun to be a Bengals fan because growing up and watching cities like Indianapolis and New Orleans and Baltimore, Seattle, Philadelphia, teams who had not won a, a Super Bowl before or had won a Super Bowl before but had been a while or had only won the Super Bowl once, And to see how much the city rallied around those teams. And it's football. Like, the NFL is the highest revenue-driven sport. It's the most watched sport of any of the four. Like, you feel like now you are a part of something big, something huge. You, I can appreciate NFL history. I can appreciate the present and how great the league is. Like, the divisional round last year of the playoffs was so much fun because the games were great. But your team was a part of it, and your team won in dramatic fashion. Like the Bengals-Titans was hors d'oeuvre number one. That's how good that week was. Then you had the Niners and Packers. Rams-Buccaneers was great. Bills-Chiefs is an all-time classic. You are a part of that. And I always say that Jermaine Pratt's interception to seal the playoff win against Vegas at the nine-yard line, that moment, my sports life took a 180-degree turn because we were now a part of, you know, we now felt like we belonged at the table. We weren't just some other team in the league that no one cared about. Like, now people care about the Bengals. They've been getting a lot of chatter this offseason, and rightfully so. It Going this season is arguably the most anticipated in franchise history. And I remember I became a sports fan at a very similar time to what the Bengals are in right now. The Bengals were coming off that division title in 2005. They had a bunch of really good players. 
They had a bunch of personalities. They had taken over the city. And they had all this momentum. But it's not like what they have now. Because now they're in the modern NFL world. They have a big-time highlight. They have a big-time quarterback, a highlight real wide receiver, a young and innovative head coach, naming right soul to the stadium. They were active in free agency, extremely active in free agency in the offseason. They weren't like that in 2006. Now they are officially out of the rut of 31 years of futility. The possibilities for the next 15 years seem endless. And it all starts with Joe Burrow. The difference between now and 16 years ago, Carson Palmer was a really good quarterback, a quarterback who I really liked, a quarterback who I often defended. But he's not Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is so perfect for the city of Cincinnati. Why? Because he has been doubted his whole life. He's been faced with adversity this whole life. Nothing's been easy for him. You know, his first three off-seasons or first three leading up to the seasons, COVID year in 2020, rehabbing a torn ACL last year, and then having a sudden appendectomy, emergency appendectomy, last month. Nothing's been easy for him. Nothing's been smooth sailing. And that's not been the case for Cincinnati sports. You know, you watch all these teams around the around the country, whether it be in the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, win with ease. Cincinnati's not like that, and that's okay. There are other cities like that too. But the Bengals franchise, nothing's been easy for them. So Joe Burrow, in a way, feels like, in a very big way, feels like one of us. Ohio kid, played at Ohio State. I know this is a Bearcats podcast, and I'm talking to a Bearcats Cincinnati audience. But come on. Some of you listening to this may be Ohio State fans, and that's fine. I have a soft spot for them, too. So he grew up watching the Bengals. He understands the city. It's very blue-collar, very tough-minded, a bunch of people who just go to work every single day, very community-like feel. And you have a celebrity status in Cincinnati. It's not like he's in New York. It's not like he's in Los Angeles. He can be this big-time player in Cincinnati. He fits the mold of the city. And here's what I love the most about it is, yes, he's the quarterback on the Bengals team that broke a 31-year curse. And after the game, in an interview he did with Catherine Tappan of NBC on on the field, in his postgame, in a press conference a few days after the game, he said a famous quote to Catherine. He said, took care of business, on to the next round. And then he said a few days later, this is the standard going forward. At least one playoff win. And... When Joe Burrow, someone of big status, says that, that is exactly what this city is needed. We're not just going to accept winning division titles or going to the playoffs every year. The standard now every year is at least winning one playoff game. This team will go as Joe Burrow goes, and you feel like you would literally do anything for him. We have not had someone like this since, I don't even know, Chad Johnson was a great personality. Fans loved him. But he eventually, his high-flying act sort of waned. And eventually, you kind of grew tired of him. Because he wasn't producing on the field after really 2006. Maybe 2007. Joe Burrow's different. Joe Burrow's got a great personality. But he's never too high 
and he's never too low. You don't have to have a BS detector with Joe Burrow. It's very genuine. It's very truthful. It's no blurred lines. It's transparent. And he is he has the entire city of Cincinnati in the palm of his hands. Now, let's go to the wide receiver trio. Great story written by Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports on the wide receiver trio that came out yesterday. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and of course, Jamar Chase. Talked about the winning bond that they have, how they go about the, their preparation during game week, you know, the, their relationship with wide receivers coach Troy Walters, a former wide receiver himself. Very insightful article by Jonathan Jones. But this wide receiver trio, why I love them all so much is because they play with a swagger, they play with confidence and experience. You know, the Bengals under Andy Dalton, they had some good receivers, AJ Green. Tyler Eifert, Marvin Jones, those were all really good receivers. They're not these three. Jamar Chase is a former Fred Belitnikoff Award winner, former national champion. T. Higgins is a former national champion, former second-round pick. And Tyler Boyd is one of the best slot receivers in the league and has gotten gradually better and better since his down 2017 season. Ever since that 4th and 12 touchdown at Baltimore, he has been a really good wide receiver, an overlooked wide receiver. And if you cover one, if you try to take away Jamar Chase, that's fine. Tyler Boyd will just get his catches over the middle. If you cover both or, correction, if you cover both Chase and Higgins, Tyler Boyd gets his touches. If you cover, um, uh, if you cover Jamar Chase, T. Higgins is going to get attention. The other one gets attention from Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase is a walking highlight reel. You know, I remember after week seven last year against the Ravens, Jamar Chase had that 82-yard touchdown catch and run. And in previous years, you would watch Football Night in America or you'd watch NFL Game Day Prime or any highlight show, and you'd see these highlight reel-making receivers, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and you wish you had that on your team. And now you do. I mean, Chris Collinsworth said... That night on Sunday Night Football, Jamar Chase might be the best wide receiver in Bengals franchise history. I mean, this is Chris Collinsworth we're talking about. And so now you have that big-time receiver. And that was especially cemented against Kansas City in the regular season home finale week 17. T. Higgins is a big play guy at any moment. T. Higgins can, you know, week 12 against Pittsburgh, hadn't had a touchdown since week 2. Had a touchdown that day. Against Baltimore, exploded for two touchdowns. 12 for 194 on the ground that day. 12 catches, 194 yards. Had a great postseason. Little little down game the first game. Okay. Had a great game against the Titans. Had a phenomenal game against Kansas City. And then had two touchdowns in, two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. So again, take away Jamar Chase. You have T. Higgins on the other side. And T. Higgins is this just this tall, big, you know, just mountain of a receiver. So hard to defend. And then Tyler Boyd is Mr. Consistent. Didn't have a drop all season until that crucial third and nine drop in the Super Bowl. You know, Tyler Boyd um, had some issues off the field in 2017. We know that. Ever since then, though, he's just been this veteran receiver on the field. You know, Chase and Higgins even said in that article written by Jonathan Jones, that story, they said Tyler Boyd is our leader. He's the leader of this room. 
And this Bengals team that has a bunch of young stars, Tyler Boyd is only going into year seven. He's had one major injury, but none since. That was in 2018 when he tore his ACL in week 15. They haven't had, he hasn't been injured since. And what I found interesting in 2020 when Burrow was a rookie was he gravitated to Tyler Boyd. Touchdown in week two, touchdown in week seven, in week eight. Tyler Boyd was his go-to guy. And Tyler Boyd has always been, to me, that this go-to receiver. And you were concerned that he only had two touchdowns through week 14 of the season. All right. His next three games, he has a touchdown in all three. And then he has a touchdown in the playoff game. The Bengals, in the playoffs last year, prior to the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow had thrown for uh, four touchdowns. Only two went to wide receivers. Chase in the AFC Championship game, Tyler Boyd in the playoff game. Or in the, the Vegas, in the wildcard game, excuse me. So, Chase and Higgins make the highlights. Tyler Boyd is the leader of this room. And then, if you, you know, if you want to play too high, as Joe Burrow said earlier this week, deal with Joe Mixon. That's fine. He's the heartbeat of the team. He adds a much-needed dimension to this team. Why? Well, you saw it in game one last year. His ability, his running ability is very, very good. In the Bengals last year, Joe Mixon ran the ball 29 times in week one. Joe Burrow only attempted 27 passes. And Joe Mixon had over 1,200 yards rushing and over 300 yards receiving behind that offensive line. Now imagine what he can do this year with a revamped offensive line. And Joe Mixon, I, I think he's he, at first in his career was this polarizing player. I was a, I was a fan of him as a player. I thought he was really good. I thought his running ability was really good. He can run up the middle. He can run out. He can run to the outside in a, in a wide zone run scheme. He can catch out of the backfield, and he's just the heartbeat of the team. And if you've called him selfish, if you've called him entitled at times before, that's fine and understandable, and there's validity to it. But there's a reason that he has acted the way he did, because he knows he can bring a lot to this team. And now this coaching staff led by Zach Taylor, and then Frank Pollock comes in, and Mixon is immediately back to 2018 form. And yes, he dealt with you know a foot injury in 2020 that sidelined him after six games. But last year, he played the whole season, three 100-yard rushing games, had a really good postseason, touchdown against Tennessee, a, a passing touchdown against um, the Rams in the Super Bowl. And I understand he had, and, and I know and acknowledge this, that he had... A, that he did something very, very wrong in Oklahoma. And I will never wear his jersey for that reason. But, and I'm not going to at all dismiss what he did. Since he has been drafted, he has been a model citizen to the city of Cincinnati. It Again, it does not take away what he did. He has been a model citizen to Cincinnati ever since he's been drafted. He's been the leader. He's been the heartbeat of the team. Fans love him. Again, it does not take away what he did. This is who he is now as a player and a person. And he's the heartbeat of the team. Without question. Offensive line. It's always going to be concern number one. Because when Burrow started out, that was the main concern. And it always will be for that reason. It is improved. And the Bengals did a great job of that addressing it in the offseason. But the question now is, can Lyle Collins stay healthy? He was, you know, hurt at the start of training camp, physically unable to perform. You know, 
back injury. Eventually got cleared to practice. But he wasn't good in the joint practice with the Rams. So his first live action now is going to be against TJ Watt, the reigning defensive player of the year against Pittsburgh. I think the bigger question, though, is what happens at left guard. Cordell Volson has been named the starter. That's a good decision. But the question I have is, is Cordell Volson really ready? You know, here's an offensive lineman who never played a game at the FBS level of college football. He played He played in North Dakota State. Now, he's been really good throughout the, throughout the preseason. So the hope is that maybe, you know, this is the solution at left guard. And if it's not, can Jackson Carmen get it together? I mean, he has lost starting position battles to Cordell Volson and Xavier Suafilo. So this offensive line, despite being much improved, it's still got a lot of questions. And until we see it, and it's going to be a great first test against Pittsburgh, until we see it, it is a major question in my eyes. And I, it, it's so easy for me to say, oh, yeah, Lyle Collins will be fine. He's called himself the bodyguard. But if he can't guard T.J. Watt and he can't protect Joe Burrow week one and there's only 17 games and you drop your first game, you're already in the hole. So there's that. The defense. The Bengals' defense does not get enough credit for what they did last year. They were good in the regular season. Mo Egger, I will never forget this. Late July, this was when I was a producer, a news anchor, reporter at 700 WLW and iHeart Media Cincinnati. I produced for Mo on a Wednesday or Thursday night. I don't remember the exact day. But Mo Egger said on 700 WLW, Sports Talk, He said if the Bengals had a top 19 defense last year, they would win more games than lose. Turns out he was right. I didn't expect the defense to be as good as they were. I thought they were still going to get run over by Baltimore and Kansas City and any other dynamic offense that they ran into, like the Chargers, the Browns, etc. But the Bengals' defense last year was so good. They were healthy. They had a pass rush. They had an interior rush. They had really solid linebacker play. Their secondary was good. It was bend, don't break. And all the problems that the end of the Marvin Lewis era or throughout the Marvin Lewis era presented, you know, just complete lack of pass rush and just a complete absence of the defense overall, it felt like in 2018. And then the struggles to find, you know, solid linebackers. Um, it was a it, it was a glaring weakness for the entire Marvin Lewis era. Already in the Zach Taylor era, they have found Jermaine Pratt, who was a uh, third round pick, I believe, in 2019, either third or fourth. I think he was the third round third round pick in 2019. They have Logan Wilson, third round pick in 2020, and now you add in Akeem Davis Gaither who hopefully is going to come back this year after suffering an injury last year. He was a fourth-round uh, yeah, fourth pick in 2020. Like, the mid-round picks they've had at linebacker have been hits across the board. They don't get enough credit. And by the way, last year, the Bengals' identity was, we're going to, we're going to throw the ball down the field, and we're going to be a dynamic offense. 
it was the defense that got them to the Super Bowl last year. Seven turnovers in the three games prior to the Super Bowl. They flipped a switch in the playoffs. It all started with Trey Hendrickson's fumble. And in years past in a playoff game, that's a play that goes the opposition's way. When that play went the Bengals' way, you felt like, okay, we're in business. We're the, you know, we have the momentum in this game. And the Raiders were going to have to play catch up the entire game, and they did. By the way, this defense returns 10 of 11 starters from last year, and Jesse Bates is back. Trey Hendrickson's coming off a Pro Bowl season. Sam Hubbard is in year two of an extension, which was every bit, every penny is worth keeping him around for three more years, hopefully more than that. And he he's one of us too. He's from Cincinnati. He played high school football at Moeller. He grew up a Bengals fan, and now he's living his dream being a really big part of this team. So we talk about the when we think of the Bengals, we think of Burrow, we think of Chase, we think of T. Higgins, we think of everybody else on their offense. It, and we think, of course, you know, the offensive line, excuse me, being a major question mark from last year. But the defense does not nearly get enough credit. It's not just up front and linebackers. I, I mentioned the secondary, but I think about guys like Mike Hilton, you know, changing the culture of the secondary on defense. I think about Chidobe Awuzie. I think about Vaughn Bell. I think about all the players on this defense had won before they got here, or Mike Hilton. I mean, I think about Mike Hilton not, you know, undrafted to now one of the best slot corners in the league. And his defense at times last year was incredibly crucial. This is why this team is so easy to root for. They're very talented. They have gotten to the Super Bowl, a place this franchise had not been in 33 years, and they are very likable men off the field. They have a bunch of really high characters. So when we talk about the difference between 2016 or 2006 and 2022, it's the Bengals were really good then, but we knew they had off-the-field issues. Nine arrests in nine months will take care of that. This year's team is not that. Carson Palmer didn't want anything to do with the spotlight. He didn't embrace playing for the Bengals and playing for the city of Cincinnati like Joe Burrow has. Carson Palmer, you know, was this golden boy, California high school quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, played at USC, etc. Joe Burrow was this, I mean, Nebraska didn't even recruit him. He went to Ohio State, was a backup for three years, then went to LSU and became the best quarterback in college football, produced the best quarterback season in college football history, and now he's doing what he did there up here in Cincinnati. Truly remarkable. Coming up, they obviously lost the Super Bowl last year, but what does history suggest will happen to the Bengals this year? Plus, was last year proof of what the future could look like in the Joe Burrow era, or was it just a fluke? I'll explain after a word from NHTSA. So, here's the situation. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. You see where I'm going here? It's no big deal, right? You think so? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. It's that simple. So in the last 20 years, 
It's 20 years? 19 years. The 20th will be the Bengals this year. I went back and looked at the previous 19 teams who lost the Super Bowl and what their next season looked like. In the first six years, not very good. Four teams had losing records. Five teams missed the playoffs. Only one team made the playoffs and won their division the next year. That was the 06 Seattle Seahawks. But from 2009 through 2021 last year with the Chiefs, only three teams missed the playoffs. In fact, one, two, three, four, five, six. It looks like by my by my University of Cincinnati math, six teams won their division. And three teams or four teams went back to the conference championship game. One team won the Super Bowl. That was the 2018 Patriots. So by total of the 20 or the 19 years. Where's it then? Yeah. 11 made the playoffs. Seven teams won division titles. Three teams went to a conference championship. One team won the Super Bowl. So that means the Bengals have a 55% chance to make the playoffs based on what Super Bowl losing teams do the following year. A 55% chance to make the playoffs, a 35% chance to win the division, 15% chance to go to the conference championship, 5% chance to win the Super Bowl. So if there is any worry, and this has been talked about Super Bowl hangover, it's not just for the winner, it's for the loser. And more often than not, you don't really remember who goes to the Super Bowl. Like, you remember who, they remember who wins the Super Bowl, but they don't remember who loses it. The Bengals could be different. But in a crowded AFC, the possible outcomes for this team are exorbitant. The Bengals can very easily go back to the Super Bowl this year as they can miss the playoffs. There's so many talented teams. Like, I can go through the AFC right now. 13 teams. It's easier to say the teams who can't go to, who aren't likely to go to the playoffs as it is to say the teams who are likely to go. The Jets, Jaguars, and Texans are the teams, to me, that will that will probably miss the playoffs. But the other 13 teams, the entire AFC North, the entire AFC West, three teams in the South, two teams in the South, three teams in the East. That's 13 teams. And there's only seven playoff spots. And I was thinking, and I've been thinking about this, Joe Burrow's career, it's two years in, He's been to a Super Bowl. Now, the hope is his career doesn't turn out the way Dan Marino's did, if you're a Bengals fan. Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl his second season. Hall of Fame quarterback, Dolphins went back to the playoffs several times, never got back to the big game. It could be like Peyton Manning, where the Bengals have a bunch of really good years, but only win one Super Bowl. Which, hey, one Super Bowl, this franchise doesn't have any yet. That's what... That, that's how Joe Burrow's career could play out because we know he's this fearless leader, even-keeled even keeled quarterback. His preparation is tremendous. His work ethic is second to none, much like Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning only played one, only won one Super Bowl with the Colts in a bunch of really good seasons. It could be like Tom Brady where, the, where they win a bunch of Super Bowls, like six. 
it could be like John Elway, where they go to the Super Bowl multiple times and lose before ultimately winning the big game. It could be like Jim Kelly. They go to the Super Bowl four times and lose four straight times. I hope that doesn't happen, but it could. It could be like Brett Favre, where you go back and win and never go back again. So there's a lot of different ways Joe Burrow's career could play out. I mean, you know, I think it's going to be a great career and a future Hall of Famer. Even though we're only two years in, I just think he's that good and he just has that it factor to him and his fearless leadership and killer instincts, I think, are what ultimately are going to get him into Canton eventually. Here's the problem, though, for this season in particular. You have to ask yourself what constitutes a successful season for the Bengals. As I said in segment one, there are now standards for this franchise. No longer can it just be, oh, hey, the Bengals are in the playoffs. This is exciting. Or, hey, they won the AFC North. This is great. I didn't expect them to win the AFC North last year, and that's true. It was surprising last year, and that's why we enjoyed it so much. But it's expected they win the division this year. It's not just, well, you know, hey, they just get a wild card. At least they got back to the playoffs. No. At the very least, the expectation should be, and Joe Burrow said this, mic'd up on the sidelines in week seven last year at Baltimore. We win this division, the AFC North. We can go all the way. And sure enough, they came pretty damn close to doing so. The Bengals' expectation should be win the division because then you get a home playoff game. That's the first goal because it's it's what you can do in the regular season. And then once you get to the playoffs, win that first playoff game because you never know what can happen after you win one playoff game as we saw last year. Curse was broken. Everything, you know, all the cones that were, that were you know, blocking the road were gone. The, the, the world opened up all of a sudden. And sure enough, that's what happened to the Bengals. The expectation should be that. Win the division, win a playoff game this year. Can you imagine if the Bengals lost their first playoff game again this year? Oh boy, another 31 years coming. I guarantee you some fans will say that. You cannot just completely lose all the momentum from last year. So when we talk about why this is the most important season in Bengals franchise history, it is for that reason. You cannot prove or you cannot show that last year was a fluke and a one-hit wonder. And quite frankly, there is too much talent on this team to not win the division. Like, I look at the Ravens, and I know people are really in on the Ravens this year because they're going to be much healthier, Lamar Jackson included. He's back from his season-ending ankle injury last year. I'm not as high on the Ravens as some people. I think they've lost a lot of key depth pieces to their defense. Losing Marquise Brown, I think, is going to hurt the the passing game. I think they're going to be a very good running team. But they now have the Bengals to contend with in the division. Marcus Peters is, is not coming back to defending A.J. Green. He's going to have to defend T. Higgins. That's not going to be an easy task for him. Pittsburgh is not talented enough offensively to win the division. I think they're very good defensively. I think they have a really good group of skilled players, but it's new. We don't know how the quarterback's going to do, whoever that quarterback's going to be, Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky. I think Pittsburgh wins more games than they lose just because they've never had a losing season under Mike Tomlin, but I don't think they're there just yet. Cleveland's not going to win the division because they'll be 3-8 uh, and eight at best. I think maybe four and seven without Deshaun Watson, and they also have a losing culture. Case in point last year, they did not build off of an 11 and five season where they beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Last year, they fell back to eight and nine. 
which is only three fewer wins, but in the NFL, three fewer wins is a lot. And as far as the playoffs, once the Bengals get there, if they do, which I think they will, it does matter who the Bengals play, but the Bengals shown last year, it really kind of doesn't because they beat Kansas City at home in the regular season and then four weeks later beat them on the road again. They beat the Titans away from home. Now, then again, that crowd, and I was at that game in Nashville, was very, and I'm not going to say pro-Bengals, but there was a there was a substantial amount of Bengals fans in the stands. You could see orange and black in the stands. Orange and black taking over the bridge that you, you walk over to, I, I forget the name of it, to Titans games. Taking over Nissan Stadium after the game. That's what I remember the most. If you win the division, you win that first playoff game. And as we saw last year, anything can happen after that. But the expectation is, if the Bengals win the division and win a playoff game, last year is not a fluke. I don't think they have to go back to the Super Bowl because I think it's going to be very, very difficult to do so. Because there are so many talented teams in the AFC. And quite frankly, the Bengals weren't the most talented team in the AFC last year. The most talented team, as you'll as you'll hear later on, didn't even play for the AFC Championship game, but should have. But as long as the Bengals win the division for a second straight year, they have not won back-to-back division titles and back-to-back full seasons in franchise history. They have won back-to-back division titles, 1981, and then a strike-shortened season in 1982. But in full seasons, they have not won back-to-back division titles. They can do that this season, and I think they will. Spoiler alert, we'll get to that in my season predictions. But then win one playoff game, which shows that you're not just going to the playoffs and one and done. No. Win that first playoff game, and then good luck with who you get in the second round, if it's at home, if it's on the road. But at least if you win that first playoff game, the curse, it's put to bed, but it can be laid to rest completely if you win that first playoff game this year, after you win the division. Up next, my top seven storylines for the upcoming NFL season, and the Browns are not one of them. I'm not talking about them because I'm sick of them. I'll get into it after a word from our sponsors. Not only is this potentially the most anticipated season in Bengals franchise history, it's one of the most highly anticipated seasons across the NFL. We are six days away from opening kickoff night. The Bills and the Rams, 820, excuse me, on NBC. Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, Melissa Stark on the call from SoFi Stadium in what is technically Inglewood, California. Of course, Westwood won. We'll also have the call of the game, Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner. going to be a fantastic game. Football Night in America kicks things off at 7. So, a lot happened in the NFL offseason. It's why the NFL is a 365-day sport. Free agency is hyped up. The draft, mini camp, training camp, all these things. The combine, going all the way back there. All these things are a part of the offseason. We've now made it to to where we are less than one week away from the start of the season. So here we go with my top seven storylines for the NFL season. Number one, we'll start at the top. Can the Rams repeat? Obviously, last year's team was really, really talented, a super team. But they lost Vaughn Miller, who was a very integral part to their defense in the postseason. Can Cooper Cup come even just close to his triple crown receiving performance last year? Can Matthew Stafford deliver a solid year two under Sean McVay? 
He had 41 touchdown passes last year. I believe that led the league, but he also led the league in interceptions with 17. So, can the Rams repeat? It's going to be tough. The last team to repeat as Super Bowl champions was the 04 Patriots after they won the Super Bowl in 03. And the Rams have a very tough schedule this year. First place schedule. They only had a second place schedule last year. But a first place schedule this year that includes games against Tampa Bay and Green Bay and Dallas. Plus, they play the AFC West. Good luck. Number two, are the Bengals proof or are they fluke? By the way, the Rams also play the Bills. Are the Bengals proof or fluke? There's polarizing views on this. There have been polarizing views throughout the offseason on this. What they do this year will fully dictate which direction this franchise will go. It cannot be like 2006, where the Bengals had all these high expectations. Dr. Z, the late great Dr. Z in Sports Illustrated, had them winning the had him going to the AFC Championship game that year. They ultimately missed the playoffs. They can't do that this year. If the Bengals, like I said earlier, win the division again, win at least one playoff game, this franchise is going to be really good for a long time, and eventually they will bring home a Lombardi trophy. At least that's the hope. Number three. What's this season going to look like in Green Bay and Kansas City? Because both teams lost really good, prolific wide receivers. Devontae Adams leaves Green Bay for Las Vegas. Tyreek Hill leaves Kansas City for Miami. Are their offenses in Green Bay and Kansas City still going to be prolific and lethal? Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are arguably the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But will they remain elite even without their number one weapons? That's going to be very interesting to watch Green Bay. Do they go more run-centric? Kansas City, do they go more, you know, short to intermediate game and occasionally hit the downfield ball to Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Nicole Hardman or maybe Travis Kelsey? But now Travis Kelsey's the number one weapon. Very interesting to see what those two offenses, who have been one of the two of the NFL's best in the last few seasons, what they look like this year. Number four, what in the world is going on in San Francisco? Trey Lance is projected as the starter. But then the Niners this week, this past week, signed Jimmy G to a one-year deal. It doesn't make sense financially. But this might be good for San Francisco. Because I'm not sure if Trey Lance is completely ready to be the guy with the team putting all their eggs into one basket into his. Might help to have a quarterback who has won a lot of games for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't get the Jimmy G hate. I don't get the criticism. All Jimmy Garoppolo has done when healthy is take the Niners to the Super Bowl and take them to the NFC Championship game. And it's not like they cakewalked. They were th- two. They were three and five last year. They finished the regular season seven and two. They were thirteen and three two years ago. And in 2020, when Jimmy G was healthy, he was leading them to victories against the Rams and Patriots. And last year, the 49ers won games against the Bengals. They beat the Rams twice, and both those teams played in the Super Bowl. By the way, they also beat Dallas and Green Bay on the road, and they should have beaten the Rams on the road. So Trey Lance is projected to be the starter. That's fine. And the Niners now have Jimmy G's salary still on their books. That's not good financially. But in terms of having a mentor for Trey Lance, Jimmy G might be a good a mentor to have. San Francisco, is, this, this does not impact where I think San Francisco goes in the playoffs. As far as the regular season goes, and how I think their performance is going to look is going to turn out to be. This does not impact that. Because I still think even before they signed Jimmy G, they were going to be really good. Because their offense is so schematically advanced that it's going to that any quarterback can play and do well in it. 
but it helps to have a quarterback behind Trey Lance who's won a lot of games for the Niners, and you never know. What if Trey Lance, God forbid, tears his ACL in week four? You got Jimmy G right behind him. It doesn't make sense financially, but it makes sense in terms of helping the team win games. Number five, I, I, I cannot figure out Dallas and New England. They have been two of the NFL's most historic franchises. Dallas maybe, you know, they, obviously they're going to attract headlines and national attention in TV games every year. New England has been the most successful franchise this century. But I don't think either of these teams are going to be that good this year. Like, can Dak Prescott carry the Cowboys? Is Zeke going to have a bounce back year? Tony Pollard is now up to where he is on the depth chart. I mean, it's like they're using two running backs and they're using them both. It's not like it's 80-20. It's like 60-40. Is Dallas's offensive line going to be what it is without Tyron Smith, who's not going to be back what appears to be until December? Suddenly, the Dallas Cowboys' strength is their defense, led by Micah Parsons, led by Trayvon Diggs. Suddenly, that might be what wins them games, if anything. And then in New England, you know, it's been a new era since Brady left in free agency, but now it's truly a new era because Josh McDaniels, their offensive coordinator, a long time has left. Does Mac Jones leap this year? Because we heard all offseason how great, how, how in shape he looked, how much stronger he looked. We heard all of that. But then we heard about the, the struggles in training camp in the preseason. Does he leap this year? Do his struggles in the training camp in the preseason not matter? Or does he regress not having Josh McDaniels calling plays for him? Does Bill Belichick still have it as a coach? The last time we saw the Patriots in a regular season or postseason game, they were down 33-3 to in the third quarter at Buffalo, and they were getting run off the field. Playoff game last year is not suggest Bill Belichick still has it. Ten years ago, you would have said, hell yeah, he does. Now? I don't know. By the way, the Patriots play Buffalo twice this season. Number six, do not sleep on Pittsburgh just because they lost Big Ben to retirement. New quarterback for the first time since 2004. Good group of offensive kill players, though. Their defense is their identity, and they're still really good defensively. And... They've never had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. Just when you're just when you're ready to have them at 6 and 11, just when you're ready to have them at 7 and 10, they turn around and win 9 games like they did last year. Number 7, faces in new places. Two in particular, Russell Wilson and Denver. Is Denver's offense though really that good? I wonder. How will he and Nathaniel Hackett, the new Broncos head coach, how will they jail? It's Nathaniel Hackett's first head coaching job. It's a new change it's, it's a change of scenery for Russell Wilson. By the way, I still think, on the record, Seattle's receiving core is better than Denver's. And Russell Wilson left Seattle for Denver. And then there's Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. Perfect situation. Veteran quarterback who still has it. The Colts are suddenly a trendy pick in the AFC South to win the division. Because Matt Ryan joins, joins a team that has an elite running game, a very good offensive line, emerging wide receivers in Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, fellow Bearcat, and... They have a defense that's going to be very fundamentally sound, and they're not going to let teams run them off the field. The Colts do play the AFC West this season, but if you remember three years ago, they were they were um, over there. They beat the Chiefs on the road. They beat Denver. Took the LA Chargers to overtime. That was still when they had Philip Rivers, and I don't rem- don't remember what they did against Vegas. Did they beat Vegas? I'm trying to remember if they did or not. 
I think they maybe lost to Vegas, but they at least went two and two. They could do that again this year. Coming up, it's the moment you've been waiting for, my game-by-game predictions for the Bengals, then my full NFL regular season playoff and Super Bowl picks. The Bengals, my Bengals season predictions may surprise you, but what they do in the regular season, I don't think, I think they will be, but I'll, you know what, I'm giving it away. I'm not going to do that. Anyway, it's my game-by-game predictions for the Bengals, then my full NFL regular season, playoffs, and Super Bowl picks, all that coming up after a word from our sponsors. All right, so here we go. It was highly anticipated leading up to the schedule, how many primetime games the Bengals will get. They have the max five. They will probably have one or two more, but that remains to be seen. My game-by-game predictions is one of my favorite things to do. I'm going to have a blog post on this uh, coming up, plus my NFL and NFL picks for the regular season and postseason. So here we go. Through the Bengals' regular season schedule, game-by-game predictions. We start with week one against Pittsburgh. First thought, this game is not going to be like last year's. It's not going to be like last year's home game. Because the Bengals beat them last year 41-10. That Pittsburgh team is that Pittsburgh team wasn't very good. They are better this year. A great way to start your AFC title defense, though. You're opening up at home against your hated rivals with the tide and the rivalry completely shifted. I do worry about Lyle Collins' first live action being against T.J. Watt, the reigning defensive player of the year. But because Pittsburgh is starting a new quarterback, I think the Bengals' defense shows up. I think Joe Mixon has a big day running the football. The Bengals' talent, therefore, will prevail in this game. Bengals win it 34-20. to Then we go to Week 2 against the Cowboys. Dallas plays well early in the season. Remember, they were 6-1 and one at one point last year. Then they went 6-5 and five the rest of the way. Yeah, or 6-4, and four, excuse me. The Bengals are going to get national exposure in this game because you're playing the Cowboys. So the Cowboys will be talked about leading up to this game, especially because they play Tampa Bay week one. Can Micah Parsons be contained? Can the Bengals find a way to block him? Jamar Chase going up against Trayvon Diggs. One of the best receivers in the NFL, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL who had 11 interceptions last year. The Bengals have more talent offensively. I think Trey Hendrickson will have a huge day because Tyron Smith is not playing in this game. Bengals win 27 to 24. Evan McPherson hits from 43 at the gun to win the game. Week three at the Jets. First thought I think about avenging last year's loss. This is a much improved Jets team who starts at quarterback remains to be seen. Which receiver on the Bengals goes up against Sauce Gardner? I think the Bengals, though, with their more superior talent, win this game 31-20. to First primetime game of the season, week four, against the Dolphins on Thursday Night Football. Ring of Honor night, white Bengals debut with their new white, with their new, uh, white helmets. Finally getting a Burrow to an NFL matchup. This game will have you feel like you're playing against San Francisco. Mike McDaniel, Dolphins' new head coach, former Niners offensive coordinator, comes over to help get the most out of Tua. Tyree Kill signing in free agency. They are going to be a very difficult team to defend. I don't like that on a short week. Try containing Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. And please don't make Mike Jasicki look like George Kittle. This game, to me, though, all comes down to Tua. Can the Bengals get to him? Can Tua get the ball to his receivers? Can the Dolphins make this game attract me? I'll take the Bengals, though, 30-23. to Next up, the Ravens, Sunday night football in Baltimore. 
The Ravens want revenge from two blowouts last year. We know that. They're a healthier team this year than they were last year, but they also lost key depth pieces, as I mentioned earlier. And my line of thinking is this. It's going to be a hostile environment. But if Burrow can walk into Alabama and lead LSU to victory, how different really is this game? Bengals win 31-28. Evan McPherson hits from 52 at the gun. Next week in New Orleans. I can't wait for this game. I will be at this game. It's Burrow and Chase's homecoming. Do not underestimate New Orleans, though. They have a great group of skill players, solid defense, new head coach, defensive-minded Dennis Allen. The question in this game for me, how will Jameis Winston look? I think it's going to be high scoring. The same skill group, by the way, includes Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill, Traquan Smith. I think the Bengals win a shootout 38-31. Week 7 against Atlanta. I really hope Desmond Ritter is the starter for the Falcons by this point, and I really think that could be. I don't think Marcus Mariota is winning them games. And I really hope we see Desmond Ritter play in this game. But Atlanta's not talented at all. Bengals blow them out 45-14. Week 8, Monday Night Football at the Browns. No Deshaun Watson, but still, all divisional games are close. Burrow has never won against Cleveland. That's the one thing he has not accomplished outside of winning the Super Bowl. That will change this game this year. Bengals win 34-24. Week 9 against Carolina. Baker Mayfield has had success against the Bengals throughout his career. He's only lost to them one time. And dynamic running back. Versatile. I think the Bengals, though, win this game handily 35-17. 9-0 going into the bye week. You notice I think the Bengals are going to have a really good regular season record. But will that translate in the postseason? The Bengals come off the bye Sunday night football at Pittsburgh. This is a game I'm really interested in seeing how the Steelers look the second time around. The Bengals have announced they will wear their white Bengal uniforms, white helmets in this game. You're going to be walking into a hostile environment. You're coming off a bye. The Steelers are going to be coming off a tough game against New Orleans. I think, though, the Bengals just pull this one out 30-27. to Evan McPherson hits from 39 at the gun to win this game. Next up. A rematch of last year's AFC Divisional Round playoff game at the Tennessee Titans. Joe Burrow's not going to get sacked nine times again, right? The offensive line is much improved. Tennessee has regressed. I mean, they lost A.J. Brown. Their offensive line's not very good. Roger Saffold, excuse me, now with the now with the Bills. And Harold Landry, we just found out, tore his ACL yesterday. That's a pass rusher. The Titans are now down. And you, But you always worry about Derrick Henry, but he's coming off a major injury. Now, then again, Joe Mixon came off a foot injury last year, and he played really well. And this is Derrick Henry we're talking about, a tank. Derrick Henry's a big guy. Is he going to have the same speed that he had last year before he got injured? We'll find out. I think the Bengals win a close one, 31-24. Next week, a rematch of the AFC Championship game against Kansas City. I feel weirdly overconfident about this game because the Chiefs don't have Tyreek Hill and their defense is terrible. Add in that they lost Tyron Matthew this past offseason to the Saints. Bengals win 38-28. Week 14 against the Browns. How massive will the implications be in this game? It all depends on how the Browns fare without Deshaun Watson. I think they come into this game 4-8, meaning they're probably barely hanging on to a playoff spot, if anything. Now, if they come in seven and four or seven and five or six and six, the implications go up just a little bit. 
But they're already going to be there because Deshaun Watson will play in this game. The crowd will be rowdy. And it will be close because it's a division game. But the Bengals will prevail at home 27-20. to 20. Week 15 at Tampa Bay. So the Bengals are 13-0. They kind of lose at some point, right? This is the game. In a game that could be a potential Super Bowl preview. What a great time to go down to Florida for a game, too. The Sunday before Christmas. The biggest fear for me in this game is Tom Brady having the ball last. And that's every opposing fan base's fear. And I think that will happen in this game. Buccaneers take it 34-31. Ryan Suck up their kicker. Hits from 30 at the gun. Week 16 in New England. What a terrible time to go play New England. Does Bill Belichick still have it? Does he still have the ability to devise a way to take away Jamar Chase? But knowing if he does, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst and Joe Mixon will still find a way to hurt the Patriots' defense. Case in point, Bengals win a close one 24-17 on Christmas Eve. Then, <coughs> the most anticipated game in regular season history in Pagcore Stadium. Monday Night Football Week 17 against the Bills. As it shakes out right now, I have the Bengals at 14-1 and and the Bills at 13-2 and entering this game, meaning the number one seed is up for grabs. This could be the biggest regular season game in Paycor Stadium history, as I already said. Both teams could have really good records. It's the first Josh Allen-Joe Burrow matchup. How many Bills fans make the trip? We know their fan base travels well. Von Miller, how do the Bengals handle him? Less than 11 months after the Super Bowl, Josh Allen's arm could be a problem. Quarterbacks can throw really far down the field against this Bengals secondary. That's been a problem. But I'm not picking against Joe Burrow at home in a big game. And I still can't trust Josh Allen in, a, in one standalone game. Bengals win 38-35. I think it's going to be a wildly entertaining game. Evan McPherson hits from 30 at the gun. Week 18 against Baltimore. I think the Bengals, having won the division, having won the number one seed, will rest their starters. And Brandon Allen, last time he played against the Ravens, yeah, didn't go very well. Ravens, therefore, win 28-14. Don't think too much about that final score. So that's the regular season. I got the Bengals going 15-2 and across the NFL. The Bengals, the number one seed in the start of the AFC. The Bengals, number one at 15-2. and The Bills, number two at 14-3. and Then I got the Chiefs, the number three seed at 11-6. and And the Colts, my four seed at 10-7. and Then the playoffs. I've got two teams coming out of that vaunted AFC West. Raiders at 11-6, and six, and the Chargers at 11-6. and six. Raiders 5, Chargers 6, Denver just misses at 10-7. and seven. But you see how competitive that division is? Spoiler alert, I have every home team winning every divisional matchup throughout the season in the AFC West. The 7th seed does go to the Dolphins. I am going to give them some credit. I think as long as they avoid a long losing streak this season, they can be pretty good. I've got them as my 7th seed at 11-6. and six. You Go to the NFC side. Number one seed there goes to the Rams at 13-4. and four. Buccaneers will be the number two at 13-4. and four. I have the Rams over Tampa Bay as the tiebreaker. Number three, Green Bay at 12-5. and five. Number four, the Eagles at 11-6. Wildcard teams, the Niners, the five seed at 11-6. The Vikings, the six seed at 11-6. I'm a big believer in Minnesota this year. I think their offense is going to flourish under Kevin O'Connell. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a bounce back year. I think Jeff, uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen will have big years. Dalvin Cook as well. And then the seven seed does go to Dallas. They sneak in at nine and eight. So there we go. Now we move on to the playoffs. Starting in the wild card round, Bengals and Rams are on buys. We go to the AFC first. Fifth seeded Vegas at fourth seeded Indianapolis. 
The game is being played indoors. I'll take the Raiders to, and I have the Raiders beating the Colts in the regular season. I have them beating them in the postseason as well. Raiders get the job done 27 to 24. Then, first divisional matchup of Wild Card Weekend the Chargers and the Chiefs and Arrowhead, sixth seeded LA, third seeded Kansas City. When in doubt, and I'm not in doubt really here, I go with the home team in division matchups. Chiefs get the win in a shootout, 35-28. Next divisional matchup, 7th seed in Miami at 2nd seed in Buffalo. I think this game is going to be a drubbing. Buffalo wins 48-21. to We go to the NFC. 5th seed of San Francisco at 4th seed of Philadelphia. If you're worried about San Francisco traveling all the way across the country to Philadelphia, fear not. The Niners are pretty good when they go to the East Coast. I think that continues, especially if this game is played on a Sunday or Monday night, and the Niners have a full week, normal game week. Niners win this game in a close one, 31-24. Another divisional matchup, sixth seed in Minnesota, at third seed at Green Bay. I'll take the home team there. Green Bay wins 35-24. And then finally, seventh seed at Dallas at second seed at Tampa Bay. I was really hoping we had this matchup last year in the playoffs. If Dallas had won against San Francisco, we would have. I will take Tampa Bay in this game 41 to 21. So that brings us to the divisional round. And again, I'll have all this on my blog uh, and my Bengals NFL season preview that I put on the blog. Divisional round matchups. Where have we seen this one before? Third seed at Kansas City at second seed at Buffalo. Only this time, this game is in Buffalo. I think the Bills get that monkey off their back. They beat the Chiefs. And I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think Buffalo wins this game 34 to 24. I think they do beat the Chiefs by 10. And this is a playoff game in Buffalo we're talking about. And then a rematch, the game that broke the curse for Cincinnati. Fifth seed of Las Vegas at number one seed at Cincinnati. I think the Bengals get this job done and get it done handily. I'll say 38 to 21. Over on the NFC side, a rematch of a week three matchup this regular season, the third seed of Green Bay at second seeded Tampa Bay. I'll take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game. I think it'll be close. I'll take Tampa Bay, though, 31-24. to 24. Then, another rematch of last year's NFC Championship game. Fifth seed at San Francisco and number one seed at Los Angeles. I think the Rams get it done once again. A close game, though, 24-21. Rams get it done. Then, Conference Championship weekend. We start in the NFC. That's the first game this year. Number two seeded Tampa Bay and number one seeded Los Angeles. I'm taking the Rams to repeat as NFC champions. They have Tampa Bay's number. I will take them to win this game 34 to 24. Over on the AFC side, number two seeded Buffalo and number one seeded Cincinnati. The Bengals have never lost an AFC championship game. Unfortunately, I think that changes this year. I think Buffalo with the monkey off their backs from Kansas City, they get it done in the AFC Championship game. It's going to be a close one. I'll say 34-31. to 31, The Bills get it done on a late uh, touchdown because the Bills don't win playoff games on field goals. So I'll say a late touchdown wins the game for Buffalo. And that sets up Super Bowl 57 in L.A. Buffalo and Los Angeles. By the way, Tom Brady against the Rams this year, I think he'll struggle. Because the Buccaneers have a battered offensive line and the Rams' defensive line, as we saw last year, 
was troublesome to Tampa Bay. Super Bowl 57 in Glendale on February 12th. Buffalo and Los Angeles, a rematch of the opening kickoff game this regular season. I'm going to take the Bills to win their first Lombardi trophy and win Super Bowl 57 over L.A. I think it's going to be a a really entertaining game. I will say they win 34-27. Bills win the Super Bowl this year. There you have it. There you have it. My Bengals and NFL season preview part of bonus content here on Lockdown Bearcats. Don't forget, the Bearcats at Arkansas tomorrow. Recap of the game. Quick 90-second recap up on our YouTube and social media channels right after the game. Then at 10 o'clock, more detailed recap of the game. And then Sunday morning, film review and takeaways from the game. It's going to be fun. And uh, thanks for enjoying the ride for Lockdown Bearcats. Uh, My name is Alex Frank. Please have a great day rest of your day. Thank you for listening to my Bengals NFL season preview. This will all be on my blog as well. So have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Stay safe, stay healthy. Please make sure to choose a designated driver. Do not drive high. Do not drive drunk. Choose a designated driver. Walk to where you're going. If you live close or nearby, please stay safe. Enjoy the game. Enjoy your weekend. And I'll be back tomorrow recapping the Bearcats and Arkansas.